Hey, good morning. Welcome to Entrepreneur Life with me, Joel Campbell, and I am an entrepreneur. And I'm driving. It is 10 to 6 in the morning. Well, actually, no, it's a couple of minutes to 6 now in the morning. Um, I left at 10 to 6 this morning because I'm heading down south today. And it's quite unusual for me to get up and go out this early in the morning to drive to Somerset because, to be honest, I just don't fucking like doing it. It's the bottom line. Um, I'd far rather driving down the day before, either in the afternoon, late afternoon, early evening, staying overnight and then hitting it first thing in the morning. Not because I don't get up early, because I do, but I like to be able to hit my day straight off. I don't really enjoy getting up, crack of dawn, driving 150 odd miles or whatever it might be. Um, so I'm just putting my sunglasses on because the sun is coming up. It's a lovely, lovely spring morning. I can see the sun over on the horizon. It's just peeking over the hedges because I've got 10 foot hedges all around me. I'm driving down the road in Optimus. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm just gonna throw my sunnies on quickly. But what I was saying is I'm not really a big fan of getting up, driving 150 miles across country to um, uh, to start my day because it means that my day begins with, well, today it's going to be a two and a half hour drive. And to be honest, I can't think of a worse way to start your day than a two and a half hour bloody drive um, other than a three and a half hour stupid drive. So that's why I like to do it the evening or the day before. And I just find I'm more productive that way. Yes, it takes me away from home for an extra night, um, but no one seems to be bothered <laughs> that much by that. Um, I don't think Emma or the kids are that are, are that worried if I'm away for one extra evening. Um, and especially if I don't have to get up crack at dawn, my alarm's going off first thing, I'm crashing around the house and waking up the dogs. So um, that's kind of my working theory behind it. Now, I'm heading down to Somerset, interestingly enough, um, because I'm off to see another, well, I'm off to do a few things, but first thing this morning, I'm off to see another attraction. So I'm going to look at an attraction in Western Supermare. I say it's an attraction, I think it's more of an event venue myself at the moment. It's the Tropicana in Western, which used to be a swimming pool back in the day. It's a grade two listed building in space. It's right on the beach. Um, and yeah, I'm, they, they've put it out to tender. So Somerset uh, County Council, I think I can talk about this, um, have, it's all public knowledge, have put it out to tender, looking for operators to take it over. And we've thrown our hat in the ring. So this morning I'm going to go down, I'm going to meet with a couple of people from the venue, from the council, from the projects team, and basically have a look and see if it's something we'd, we'd like to, to throw a tender in for, see what that might look like, and see if, if it's a right fit for us and for them. My expectation is it will be. My expectation is that we can put in one hell of a bid, one hell of a tender for them. Um, I think we can do something quite special. I think we can put together some, I, I say I think, I know we can do something quite special. I know we could put together a lovely future for it. And my belief is that it's a heritage attraction. It is a heritage building. It's gonna be very different to what we currently operate in terms of our other attraction world. And we'd have to think about how that would look divisional wise and setup wise, but all of that is academic and in the detail. And, you know, things that we can, uh, I'd say problems, they're not problems, but just part of the journey that we can very, very easily overcome. 
um, and, and it will see us scale even further. So very much, I think, in our sweet spot, something we could definitely do. Don't know what the interest is like. The challenging factor will be is that the tender is due um, or the full sort of uh, EOI's expression of interests um, are due in by the end of this week. I have not started on our tender document yet. I've read all the documents and I've read their um, their place document, which is all about how they want to improve and develop and grow Western, both from a, a living, a working and a visiting perspective. Something I'm f very, very familiar with from doing it in Shrewsbury, seeing it in uh, Mendip, um, but very much being included in the process at Shrewsbury and in Shropshire, watching them do it. So, yeah, so something that I'm going to um, go down, have a chat with, that is my morning. I've then got to go over to Shepton. Well, I have to. I'm going to go over to Shepton, to the prison, um, say hello to the guys, catch up with the team, speak to Charlie. Got a few bits I need to do there. I've got a meeting later this afternoon with the guys from City and Country who are our landlords. We've got some, some challenges around the insurance in the sense that the cost of the insurance is about double what it could, what it should be um, for the insurance premium. So I'm gonna go down and just have a conversation about that and make sure that everything is really as it should be and that we're all not getting a little bit kind of screwed in the sense of paying too much for insurance when we don't need to. So I'm going to go and have those meetings this afternoon. I've then got to fly back over to Wales to the solicitors because they've got, I think I said in a previous podcast, but they've got um, four boxes of uh, archive, four boxes of deeds effectively for the prison that we've just inherited through the, through the previous purchase. So I'm going to go catch up with the solicitors. They're going to take me through those documents. There is a small land dispute um, over a couple of spaces, a couple of parking spaces. Um, so I need to go and understand really who, who owns this land and, and who's got access to this land and how does it work, it, purely because it's just, it forms up part of the estate and really it needs tidying up. And the previous owners just didn't do anything with it for the last few years. So it's, it, I wouldn't say it's a mess, but it's something we do need to, to sort and to organize. Um, I'm then going to go see Paul. So this evening I'm going to go out and catch up with Paul, have a couple of drinks with him. So Paul, when you're, when you're listening to this, uh, recorded before we caught up for a couple of beers and before we spoke about some of the other bits and pieces that we're, that we're looking to do or that we need to do in the coming weeks and coming days and the coming months and all that kind of jazz. Tomorrow I'm going to head up, so this will be Wednesday, I'm going to head up to Oxford early in the morning, not crack of dawn early, probably about 8 o'clock. I'm due to meet the guys, I'm due to go on the tour of Oxford Castle um, and then catch up with the guys from Oxford Castle, the continuing team, um, just for a, a chat and a catch up around heritage and history and, and stuff like that really. Um, so I'm going to do that tomorrow, I think that's midday I'm going on that tour, so looking forward to that, that'll be cool to go and see another heritage tour um, and see what that looks like and see how it is different to ours and how it compares and such like that. I've then got a load of admin work I need to do Wednesday afternoon and I need to just put the finishing touches, he says the finishing touches, um, to a presentation because on Thursday I'm giving a talk in the morning to a group of tourism students from 
Oxford Brooks Uni, who are taking an Electra um, course, which is all around dark tourism. So I've been chatting to their lecturer, Brianna, um, and I'm going to go and give a talk for about an hour and a half, which is actually quite a long talk, even for me. Um, just around dark tourism, the opportunities within the industry, what uh, positions are available, what positions you know will grow, how the industry is going to move, what it's going to look like, and just really talk dark tourism. So it's really well timed because we've been making a push into making that world more mainstream for a little while. So it'll be really interesting to chat to the academics and the academia of it and see what their thoughts are and their positioning. And we're just on the cusp of re, no, I wouldn't say rebranding, but, but, but putting forward a new identity for Shrewsbury Prison in the sense of we've been called in the world's most interactive prison tour for a number of years. Recently, the tour has mysteriously been dropped and now we're just the world's most interactive prison. Um, and I don't really like it. Firstly, I don't actually think it's true. I don't think we are the world's most interactive prison. I've been to a few other prisons and I think they are equally, if not more so interactive. And I think Bodmin is a great example of, you know, a really interactive jail. They've spent seven and a half million quid doing it. It bloody should be. So I think that it's not really that true in the way that it was put together originally, uh, certainly not any longer. I also think when you just throw the worlds in there to try and make it sound huge, it doesn't really do that. I think that sometimes you can make yourself sound too big, like too, too good in that sense. I think that's right. And um, it just, it, for me, it just doesn't fit. And when I look at Shrewsbury Prison, I look at what we are, I look at what we're doing, I look at where the future is, the world's most interactive prison just doesn't do it justice so we're looking at making a change to that and, and some of the wording we've been playing around with and kind of where we where we're sat at the moment is Shrewsbury Prison an immersive dark tourist attraction no that's wrong I've just I've just realized that's wrong I remember having the very exact conversation about that and we were playing with the word tourist and tourism and where we ended up was Shrewsbury Prison an immersive dark tourism attraction so, and it was just around the wording. We played a lot with, you know, immersive. We played a lot with the dark tourism. We played a lot, actually, with the word attraction, destination, um, uh, visiting uh, spaces and such like that. Different, different words, <coughs> um, different phrases. And we did, actually, again, with immersive experiences and stuff. So we went through a journey on where we've ended up, which is, Shrewsbury Prison, an immersive dark tourism attraction. Now, some people feel it's a bit of a mouthful. Now, I don't think it's any more of a mouthful than the world's most interactive prison tour. It doesn't scan quite in the same way. And there's a balance between, do people know what it is? Because everyone knows what immersive is. Everyone knows what an attraction is. So we could just call it Shrewsbury Prison, an immersive attraction. And I think that's fine and that will tell people what it is. <coughs> Excuse me. What I'm keen to do is start pushing the dark tourism angle because I believe that that's an industry that's growing, growing very, very rapidly. I think that's a, 
style, I should say, or apartment industry that's growing very, very rapidly. I think it's going to become a lot more mainstream in the coming um, months and certainly in the next you know, 18 to 24 months. I think that other attractions and other spaces are going to start to, you know, open up to it and they're going to start to embrace it more. And I want to be the first one at that party. No, I, do you know what? I don't want to be the first one at that party. That's wrong. I want to be organising that fucking party. That's what I want to be doing. I want us to not just be the first people to do it. I want people to look at us and go, they're the ones that made it. And that's why I want to start pushing the dark tourism route. It is very, very much what we are. Now, whether we embrace it or not is our choice. And there's loads of attractions out there that do not embrace this side of it. They, they, they're either scared to do it, they're nervous for what their customers, of what out, at, um, other people might think or see, or the perception. They don't understand the world enough. They're not sure how to communicate it to people. And I kind of look at it as like everything else I look at in life, which is, we'll just do it. Like, we'll just Nike it. It is literally that straightforward. And I love the Nike brand. I think just do it. It's so clean, it's so simple, it's so on point, but it's so transferable. Um, and I do use that a lot when I'm sat with my team and certainly the guys who work closely with me, both in my senior team and in my marketing team, they hear that a lot. We're just gonna Nike it. Like we're just we're just gonna Nike this shit. And that means we're just gonna do it. Like we're just gonna crack on. And I think, you know, what is there to lose ultimately? We are a dark tourist tourist tourism attraction. Um there's, there's a balance. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick it up very quickly because I keep tripping up on my words. I'm going to explain to you the reasoning behind it. So we were playing around with the word dark tourist attraction, dark tourism attraction. And the concern in there was if we utilize the word dark tourist, are we then going to be alienating or putting ourselves in a slight position of... Um, what's the word basically does it have racist tendencies now the bottom line is it doesn't because it's not meant in that way it's not being put together in that way no one in my team has gone right we dislike black people or dark people and therefore we're going to you know we're, we're going to be racist about this so that's not the case but I think because the way that the world is I think because the way that people want to be included, not excluded, because racism is such a huge thing still, which is so sad to say in 2023. It, it, it is awful to say that, you know, 2023 and racism is, isn't a problem. It's still a massive problem. Like, it's almost pandemic kind of style of problem. I do see it quite regularly. And we have these conversations because both of our current attractions are predominantly in very white areas. And, um, and we were chatting about the other day around photos, about having diversity within our photos, which is really important, and diversity within our visitors, which, again, is really important, and, and, and showing that we bring all those things. So when we were talking about dark tourism, dark tourist, there was just a concern 
and I picked up on one a few months ago. I can't remember if I mentioned it in a podcast. I, 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 again, it was so innocent. And the person that designed it just didn't see it. And when it was pointed out, they went, oh, God, oh, my God, I can't believe I've done that. And they were really quite, I wouldn't say distraught, but they were really quite concerned that they'd missed that. And it was it was such a little thing. It was, it was, a, it was a promotion, which was a kid's... Um, a, a kids go free promotion effectively for, for the prison and it was all around um, uh, what are you going to do with the kids this holiday like you know lock the kids up this holiday do something with the children this holiday that kind of stuff so obviously we're utilising prisons plays on words and things you know lock the kids up stuff like that and a newsletter appeared in front of me which was due to go out um, and I was just proofing through it in my role as a marketing manager and it just said um uh, there was just a line in it that said, you know, uh, lock up the little monkeys um, this this holiday, effectively. And this is somebody, so the person that had copied it, uh, written it, um, is not a parent, so they don't have children. Um, then, and I think it's a fairly, you know, common thing that you will call your kids is monkeys because, you know, they're, they're, they're little terrors and they can cause mischief and they can cause mayhem and they can throw shit everywhere, basically. Um, so it just, we had this line, perfectly innocent line. The issue that I found with it, or the thing that I noticed with it, was there was a picture of different children um, in the jail, uh, you know, playing around and, and having an experience and, and going through the attraction. And it just so happened the line was placed right next to a girl who was mixed race, uh, about a seven or eight year old mixed race girl. And I just went, oh, that feels not right and it, it was you know it was perfectly innocently placed but I just sort of looked and I went oh this just doesn't feel right so I highlighted it I flagged it the team looked at it and they went do you know what you're absolutely spot on and nobody else noticed it and again it wasn't that we came at it from a specific approach it was a perfectly innocent um, put together campaign it's just that's how it came across um, and that's why it got changed and that's why it got removed and this is why we had this discussion around dark tourist attraction dark tourism attraction and I think that was just the balance I actually like I think the words an immersive or I think the line an immersive dark tourist attraction scans better than an immersive dark tourism attraction and these are things that we these are additional things that I think in marketing we now uh, have to consider or we now do consider and I think it's and, and my point is it's absolutely right that we should consider that and I think that the wording that we use, oh my god look at that so I'm just driving over the River Severn down in Kidderminster and um, the river is, oh, I think it's the River Seven. I'm just driven past a river. Um, and it is, because it's cold outside, it's what, it's half a degree under, according to my, according to Optimus, half a degree under. Um, and uh, the river has just got steam coming off it, from, I'm guessing, where the river's slightly warmer. I don't know. But anyway, it just looked majestic. So, just don't share that. It looked cool. Um, so yeah, so uh, it's absolutely right that we do consider these things and we do think about it because, you know, we want it to be inclusive. We want to get it right. We don't want anybody to feel like we're um, 
being rude, being uh, racist, being uh, homophobic, being sexist, being misogynistic, any of those kind of things. We want to get that piece absolutely right. So that's what we've kind of been working on. And uh, that's taken me really off kilter of what I was talking about. But I felt that was important to share with you. And I think as a CEO, it's important that that message goes across our entire organization for everybody. I think as a CEO, it's important that we portray that as a company and we show that to other companies to have influence and um, help them to see that, that, that journey as well. I think as people, it's right that we have that to each other. And in the marketing manager role, it's probably one of the more challenging aspects that I have in my role, not because it's a difficult thing to do, but because for me personally, I just say things as I see it. Like I just call it as I see it. And quite regularly that comes across as rude. Quite regularly that comes across as obnoxious. Quite regularly that comes across as arrogant. Um, I'm not uh, misogynistic. I'm not sexist. I'm not racist. I'm not homophobic. I'm none of these things. I am, however, a white middle class uh heterosexual male that was brought up in a white middle class area um, I wasn't brought up with uh, with friends of more diverse backgrounds effectively because I just didn't live in those spaces it's not to say I don't have them it's just I didn't live in those areas particularly so it's um it's an interesting one, I think, but as a, as a marketing manager, like I say, it's, it's probably one of, the, one of the hardest challenges because I just call things as I see them. And I think, therefore, the messaging that we put across in our brand and to the public and to the way that we want people to see our attractions and to see what we do, because they're fantastic and the team works super hard, it's one of those challenging things. How do we get across the message of Shrozy Prison or Shepton Malik Prison without Joel fucking out. Um, <laughs> so I think that's kind of it. Uh, maybe I'm doing myself a misjustice there, I don't know. Shepton, in the other hand, has been a really easy, straightforward um, uh, journey of a, of a tagline, effectively, or as a, as a strap line, as I should say, that goes with it. It has got the worlds in it, because it is a world. Um, Shepton Malik Prison, the world's oldest prison that's it it is what it says on the tin it is the world's oldest prison there'll be arguments in there i'm sure and people will throw back at us as they always do but the tower of london was built in 1065 and so on and so forth but this prison was built there but this prison but the reality is none of these are prisons they are castles they are palaces they are um uh, jails with small spaces for the jail None of them are purpose-built, sole prisons. The Tower of London, for example, has been used for numerous things. Um, only, more, only in the latter years was it used as a prison. Um, and it's not a purpose-built prison. It is a, it's the Tower of London. It's part of the bloody palace and part of the castles. Um, so, yeah, so it's, uh, it, it's, it's not in the same sense. Shepton Mallet Prison is the world's oldest prison in the sense of it's the only one still standing. You can only see ruins now of prisons that are older. Once you go beyond Sheptomallet Prison, you start stretching back into York Castle, for example. Yes, York Castle has a prison, but it's a tiny piece of a prison. 
Um, just in the same sense of Shrewsbury Castle has a prison. It's down a tiny little set of steps and it's this tiny little room which was used as a prison or as a jail. Warwick Castle, if you've ever been there, Warwick Castle has a Warwick jail inside the castle, has a jail castle inside the, inside it. So, um, so I'm just going to overtake somebody very quickly at Optimus. Um, I'm within the speed limit, I promise, and I'm, I'm using my audio notes to record this rather than anything else. So yeah, so Sheptomala Prison, the world's oldest prison. Boom, done, thank you, smash it out of the park, off we go, next game. Um, it's kind of how I looked at that one. We did obviously spend some time on it, we floated around with it, we you know chatted about the world, so I think in this instance it's a bit different, and we very, very much wanted to be ron-sealing these things, you know, we want them to say what they are on the tin. And that brings me back to Shrewsbury. Shrewsbury is an immersive dark tourism attraction. It is immersive in the sense of you can put yourself inside it, you can put yourself into the event, into the tour, into the activity, into that concept, that mindset of a prisoner or an officer or somebody that would have been in that jail over the centuries. So it, it, you are immersed in it, whether you want to be or not, the history, the heritage, it just takes over. And we've designed the attraction. I've very much had that vision with the attraction that that's how I wanted to see. And I've always said to every single person that works for the attraction division, every single person that works in that world, if you're walking down the prison wing and a prisoner and an officer walk out in front of you, it shouldn't feel out of place. That's exactly how those two jails should feel as attractions and as heritage sites. And that's very much what we've aimed for and it's very much what we deliver. If you threw a load of prisoners and a load of prison officers into Shrewsbury or Sheptomala Prison tomorrow or even today or even now, it would look and feel like a jail. And all we've done is remove the people. This is why we are so popular for productions. It's nothing to do with, I mean, there is an element of our team working hard, but the reason why we're popular for productions is because when they want a prison, that's exactly what we bring them and that's exactly what we've maintained and I think all the other prison developments in the country have not. There's one or two but they haven't done what we've done because their vision and their goal for the future is different which is fine, it's just different and therefore they don't get the productions in the same way as we do. So there's the immersive element dark tourism so I could talk about this for a little while I probably get towards the end of this episode so I don't need to rant on about it too much dark tourism fundamentally is the the most challenging piece in this title because it's the one I still have to explain to people when I say to people we run dark tourist attractions or dark tourism attractions they turn around to me and go what's that then so I know that I've got a little bit of work to do here not just in what we're doing, but in the industry in general. And my my position on this is that, and, and I'll do another podcast on Thursday to, on the way home to talk about how the talk went with um, the presentation goes at Oxford Brooks with the, with the tourism students who are studying the, the dark tourism sector to see how the academics have a perception of it, see what their thought of it is. But to me, it's basically anything that showcases or 
talks about or has the relation to to death to suffering to pain to elements of being inhumane which I think all of those things are to the realities of what's happened over the years whether those are massive atrocities or whether that's just the way that it's done through the way that we felt it should be done at the time as as people and when I talk about dark tourist attractions there's lots of things that I would say are dark tourist attractions I mean, the two that spring to mind as the biggest would be Chernobyl and Auschwitz. They are, you know, dark tourism attractions in the sense of what they are. Auschwitz specifically is probably the number one. Uh, it is the number one on the list in actual fact. Because, you know, the atrocities that happen there are so bad. Um, that's that's why it has that... that, that that place for everybody because nobody can deny how I mean there are unfortunately people on this earth that will deny the atrocities that happened during the war and uh, and, and how Jewish people were, were were tortured and killed en masse and how horrific that is. Auschwitz is very much somewhere that you can go and visit you can pay money and you can walk around it I believe you can take photos of areas of it but not all areas of it and you can effectively immerse yourself and feel and learn about that history. Not from a book, not from a show, but from the actual location. Now they do it in a hugely respectful manner. I, I, I think it's a fascinating and a fantastic way. Fantastic is the wrong word, but I do think that the way they have put Auschwitz together in terms of how people can see it is, is respectful as you possibly can in that type of environment I think that's so key when you're building a dark tourist attraction that you have the respect at the forefront because you have to remember that the reason it's a dark tourist attraction is because there's been some form of suffering some form of pain in that space so they do do an exceptional job and I and, and, I, and at some point I'm gonna go and visit properly and um, yeah, and I think that that sits there, like I say, as that number one. There are others across the world, so uh, Alcatraz as another prison, definitely a dark tourist attraction. Um, Ground Zero, so Twin Towers, Ground Zero, that is another dark tourist attraction because of the pain and suffering that happened there, and people do go see it. I don't believe it's a paid attraction, but that's not really part of the... Um, the criteria, let's say, um, that's just, you know, the model is probably better better put together for that one. Um, Chernobyl, as I say, is, is, a, is another. Um, Shrewsbury Prison, Shepps and Mallet Prison, absolutely dark tourist attractions. They are places where people have been incarcerated for committing crime. They are absolutely places that have housed some of the worst prisoners in our history. They are also some places that have housed innocent people that have been found guilty in our history. And people have been executed who were innocent in our history. They are places of execution. They are places of death. They are places of disease. They are places of law-breaking. That is prisons in their entirety. And we don't shy away from that.
you know, we showcase it, but we do it in a way that is respectful to individuals, respectful to the people that have been there, respectful to the people that it's impacted, both on the on the wrong side and the right side of the bars. We do it in a way where we like to educate, we do it in a way where we like to engage, and we do it in a way where we like to immerse people because the immersion element is all about getting you to, I'm gonna use the word enjoy. I'm gonna use the word enjoy your experience because when you're enjoying your experience, you're absorbing, whether you're learning, whether you're learning with or without knowing, um, whether you're engaging, the more you enjoy that experience, whatever your experience may be with us, whether it's a tour or a ghost tour or whether it's going to the restaurant or whether it's an escape room, or whether it's a corporate day or an education session, it doesn't really matter. The point is you need to be enjoying it because when you're enjoying it, you can engage with it. When you can engage with it, we can then embed the history and immerse you within it and then we can start to educate you. And the reason why I think the education piece is so important, even for somebody coming to a corporate day that's all around how they're gonna improve their own business, their own bottom line, is because, and this is also links to one of the reasons why I think dark tourism attractions are so important and why they should exist and why they have a huge place, probably a bigger place in the um, industry and in the sector than a non-dark tourism attraction is because what they do is they bring to the forefront, they make prevalent and they make hugely important the history that we have. And I think by doing that, it ensures we don't make those same mistakes again. If we buried our history and pretended it didn't exist, pretended that there wasn't the atrocities in, in the war, pretended that there wasn't racism, pretended that there wasn't sexism, misogynistic, uh, misogynism, uh, pretended that there wasn't, sorry, I say that uh, because I, I can't get the words out, pretended that there isn't um, uh, homophobia, and, and all these kind of things, if we pretended that none of that existed, then it's only gonna get worse. The only way that we solve these things, the only way we stop these things from being repeated is by highlighting them and calling them out. And I think what a dark tourism attraction does is it really hammers that home. It really puts that on the front line. If you want to know what it's like to be in prison, to be behind those bars, the reality of prison life, then come and visit a prison that does exactly that. Come on a guided tour. That's exactly what the guided tours do. If you want to go and have a really good time in an escape room, in what is an unescapable building, then come and do an escape room with us. If you want to have loads of fun doing a prison break event and get fully immersed in something you cannot do anywhere else, trying to escape an entire jail, trying to bring out your inner Michael Schofield, then come do prison break. If you want to have a really good team building day, and really engage and, and reward and um, and drive your staff and really inspire them, then come to a corporate day. If you want to educate the younger generation in terms of crime and punishment and how prisons work and what, oh, I'm just driving on the ring road, um, uh, sorry, and how prisons work and how crime and punishment affect society, 
then come and do an educational visit. All these things exist, and they exist for a reason, to bring forward, and bring to the forefront, the, the way prisons were operated, the rights and the wrongs of it. There are lots and lots of things in prisons that are absolutely spot on. There is more that is right than there is wrong, I would say, from an outside perspective, from spending my time in it. Um, and I, I like to think we were heading the right direction. I'm not sure we still are under, under a Conservative government, and I'm not sure that we would be under a Labour government, but that's something you know, that's something slightly different. What I am putting forward is that I do think that nowadays we get things right in prison more than we get them wrong. However, I don't work in one. We are going to see one shortly though. We are going, we're taking 10 of our team to see a, a working prison, the largest in the country. Um, we work quite closely with the team um, in different training aspects that they do with us. And they have offered to take us around the jail, well, I, I asked actually. And that's exactly what's going to happen. So we're going to go and spend more time in a current jail to make sure that we still have relevant knowledge. Um, God, I've digressed. I do apologise. So that is kind of bringing it back to dark tourist attractions. That's kind of how I see them. And there is a macabre element. Without the macabre, you don't have the dark. And if it's not a dark, if it hasn't got the dark in it, it's just a tourist attraction. So that brings us on to the more mainstream ones, like an Alton Towers, for example. Fantastic tourist attraction, or a sea life, or a Legoland. There ain't nothing dark about those things. Um, so, you know, they are standard attractions. And they're great, and they're brilliant, and they're fun, and they're immersive, and they're enjoyable, and exciting, and all those brilliant things. Do you learn about the history? Nope. Do you learn about where things were done right, where they weren't, and what society is like? Nope. Is all of that stuff fun? It doesn't sound fun when I position it like that, but when you wrap it up with the way that we deliver um, all the different services within our attraction, it does become fun and enjoyable. And let's be honest, people are macabre. People want to understand, they want to see that other side. It's why circuses used to work, freak shows used to work, because people are curious, and there's nothing wrong with being curious. It all comes down to how we, as operators and owners, deliver. Because like I say, we need to do it with respect, we need to do it with dignity, and we need to do it remembering that our attraction, our dark tourism attraction, has been filled with people that have suffered, that have had pain, some that have died. There have been a number of successes as well. I think it's worth pointing out. Certainly there's lots of people that I've met that have been to, to one of our two prisons, Shrewsbury more, more so than Shepton, just because the type of jail it was, where they've come out and they've gone on, they lived fantastic lives and they've really done well for themselves and they've made a difference to society and a difference to the world. Um, so there are plenty of success stories as well as, unfortunately, those that, that you know have... Um, finished in, 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 in death, for example. So I think it's important to take that into consideration. But it's our responsibility to make sure we do that in an appropriate and respectful manner. Um, and we run a business. So, you know, how we're going to make all of that work. Because we're not funded. We don't have a, a grant. We don't have, like, government allowances. We don't have funding. We're not a charity. So, you know, it is, it is a business. Um, and that brings me to the attraction side of the world, which I probably don't need to explain too much. I think we know what attractions are. That's very much Shrewsbury Prison. It is an immersive, 
dark tourist attraction dark tourism attraction i'd love to know your thoughts actually on whether you think dark tourism or dark tourist is a better scan an immersive dark tourism attraction an immersive dark tourist attraction i do get what my team are saying and i do agree i think tourism is the way forwards um I just think it's a real shame that we live in a world where we're double-guessing ourselves as to whether people will think that that's potentially not appropriate. At the same time, I think it's really important that we question ourselves as to whether that's appropriate. So a proper double-edged sword there. Um, I'm going to finish the episode because I've talked for probably about 40-odd minutes, I reckon. Um, it is 40 minutes and 35 seconds by the looks of things. What's interesting is during that time, I've driven... I don't know, 30-odd miles, but I think my my range has only gone down by about 10. So that's pretty decent. Anyway, I'm going to go. I'm going to um, do the rest of my journey. It's 6.40. I've got another, oh, I don't know how long. I've got a, um, another hour and a half, effectively, an hour and 40 minutes of, of traveling time before I get to my first meeting, um, and uh, I'll go from there. So this has been Entrepreneur Life with me, Joel Campbell, and I am an entrepreneur.